Hello, good evening, and welcome to The Game Is About Glory. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me tonight are Ram and Milo. Hello, gentlemen. How are you? Hey, Steph. Hi, Steph. Good, thanks. Excellent. Very good. Good to hear. Good to hear. Well, 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 chaps, what a week it's been in terms of age, because this has been a week which has shown us that not only are the kids all right, but that Antonio Conte is finally happy running up that hill (laughs) with a G. And would it be a pun crime to say that our midfield also got a little sarxia in the matches against Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park and our FA Cup third round tie at home against Portsmouth yesterday? Could I get any more Alan Partridge? Yes, I can. I don't think so, but I can, and I'll explain why this musical youth pun tribute makes all the sense as we break down each game, starting in a few minutes with the 1-0 win over Pompey at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Sorry about that, chaps. I found myself running away with the Partridge vibe there. (laughs) You should all know Milo's just tolerating... Let's tolerate. And and he's tolerated uh, this uh, sort of verbal tomfoolery for, for rather longer than we would even have recognised had we not been alerted to the fact that this week is this podcast's second birthday. That's right, folks. Hey. The game is about glory. Yay. <laughs> That's right. Yay. Right. Woo. It started out, the game is about glory, as something to keep us busy during lockdown. But 116 episodes later, it really has become a lot more. And look, I think it's really important to put across. We didn't really know each other that well when we started this. But our friendships continue to grow just as the podcast has grown. And it's been a really great thing to be a part of and continues to be. So thank you all out there for listening. And it is well worth noting that last week's episode was one of our most downloaded ever. So congratulations us. As in us, the podcast, and you, the audience. And it is nice to know that you are not just with us when things are going well. Chaps, what do you think? Yeah, it's um, it's it's come around quickly, isn't it? This couple of years. No. Uh, I was um, I was looking back to some of our notes for the early episodes where I wanted to just double check when when we'd started because I knew I knew yeah. it was coming this month. And um, yeah, looking back to the kind of Mourinho horror show that we started with, uh, <laughs> it's. Uh, it feels we can laugh now. Yeah. Well, yeah. It feels like a. It's come around very quickly, but also feels like a long time ago at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. It really has. I can't believe it's been two years. Um. I don't know if you guys remember. I I came in a bit later. Um. Not not that much. Like maybe like a month or something later. But you guys had already established yourselves and established kind of you know kind of relationships with each other. So I was really nervous when I came in because I was like, I don't know any of these guys. We literally we just talked on a football forum, you know, and but. Very, very quickly. You, you realised it was like the set of EastEnders where it's like <laughs> just a really, really complicated looking facade. And then when you step behind it, there's absolutely bugger all, really. It's like, oh, I can fit into this really easily. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, this is, these are my kind of people. <laughs> does that, does that mean we've got to have another second birthday celebration in a couple of weeks' time? Like yes. That. Yes. I like that. Yes. I like that. <laughs> but no, you know, like on a, on obviously the podcast is, and Spurs has brought us together, but it's so much more than that now, you know, and like, you know, we're, we're mates and that's, that's absolutely fantastic. It is. It is indeed. And long may it continue. It certainly doesn't feel like it's going anywhere soon, which is a great thing. Um, yeah. So again, congratulations us, congratulations you for listening, congratulations to everyone, because that's just the spirit we're going with this week. And let's move on, in that spirit, to the week that was. And uh, Milo, why don't you kick it off? I will kick it off. I say thank God we've had some decent games to talk about on our second birthday pod. It would mm. say if, if we continue with the doom and gloom from last week, it would have been really... <laughs> 
<laughs> really great. Yeah, no, anyway, no the week that was. Um, FA Cup fourth round draw was held earlier on today. We've been drawn away to Preston North End. Uh, the game we played the last weekend of the month, it's January, uh, between our games against Fulham and Man City, but we've got no midweek games either side. Uh, Preston are currently 10th in the championship, but only two points off the playoff positions. And a certain Troy Parrott is on loan from us to them. Um, but presumably, like Dane Scarlett, uh, this weekend, we'll not be given, we won't give him permission to play against us. So what do you think, guys? Good draw? I think it's a good draw. You know, I think it could have been, we could have got one of um, the Premier League teams. But um, my, my first reaction, and I think it's just because of the last couple of weeks we've had, was, oh, well, that's a banana skin. You know, and so, yeah, I instantly went into that's something else that opposition fans can make fun of us for now when when we invariably lose. But no, I'm confident. I think we'll uh, I I actually think I think we'll beat them. Um, And I think it is a really um, good draw for us. So I have a bit of an admission. Uh, Number one, I had an esoteric thought, uh, which is obviously a great shock to both of you. Uh, Whenever I see the word Preston, I think of that evil mechanical dog in the Wallace and Gromit uh, (laughs) (laughs) episode with the uh, evil mechanical dog so that esoteric thought aside my second weird thought when i saw preston was confusing them with blackpool for some reason i confused preston north end with blackpool yeah what's that don't do that they hate each other they're kind of fierce local rivals right so any preston fans (laughs) who've decided to dip into this podcast this week i've just painted myself thoroughly uh in poo for them right i've just made a complete fool of myself but for some reason i got them confused so yeah i I was very surprised to see how well preston are doing relatively speaking i've got a mate who's a who's a blackpool fan and whenever he's on a train going through preston he uses the toilet on the train (laughs) (laughs) we're so petty Yeah, but there's something there's something curiously admirable about that. Of course, I like yeah. that. I, I, I think would do it's the same. great. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's great. Yeah, imagine if you had to get the train past the uh, the Death Star, you would do the same. I do, do that quite a lot. I do. I do that quite a lot. Save it all up if there was a toilet to use. You know, I don't go but, to the toilet, but I always uh, if I'm if I'm on my own, I, I, I sort of send a grimace over to 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 the stadium. If I'm with someone else, I'll kind of point to it and like do kind of like a. So yeah. It's, sort of, it's, yeah. It's, it's kind of five minutes outside King's Cross, so you, you'd really have to yes. be timing things badly to need need a piss that quickly. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yeah. But uh, but so uh, you know, full props to your friend. I, I I like that, and apologies for confusing the two. But um, so I, I I honestly have no idea. I've no idea what to think. Yes, it's a good draw on paper, but it's a it's a northern away game in the cup. You know, it's, uh, you can you can never be fully confident, can you? I mean, we should win, but I don't know. You'd always rather a home draw in those circumstances, but it'll be a fun day out, I'm sure. We're, we're at least we're at one game a week at that point, so Conte might have time yeah. to actually work on it. If if we had midweek fixtures either side of it, I'd be a lot less confident. Yeah, uh, I, I would really love to hear you carry on with the week that was. I kind of like this because oh, okay. people get battered by my ephemera and bullshit for a little bit, and then they get your sort of very you know newsworthy tones and. I think <laughs> Works works very well. All right, then. So yeah. this is probably the big story or breaking story, breaking news. 
you want to do a beep, beep, beep? You normally do that at this point. Uh, ben Jacobs from CBS uh, reported on Sunday that Daniel Levy has held explanatory, uh, uh, had ex- exploratory even, meeting last week with uh, NASA Al Khalafi uh, from Qatar Sports Investments to discuss QSI taking a minority interest in Spurs. QSI have owned PSG since 2011 and bought a minority stake in Braga last October. QSI said to be interested in the early stages of assessing their options and also looking at other clubs, but are expected to make uh, multi-club investments this year. How do you feel about this? What When they say minority interest, could you mm-hmm. just briefly explain what that entails? For, sure, for our viewers, not me. So they buy 25% stake. I mean, I think uh, well under UEFA rules, you're not allowed to have two majority-owned clubs with the same owners in the same competition. Right. So um, if we were actually, if we qualify for Europe, because I mean, PSG could get knocked out in the group stage and end up in the UEFA Cup if we were in the UEFA Cup and, you know, they had a stake in both, it wouldn't be allowed. Yeah. Um, you know, when Enoch bought us, they had interests in uh, Rangers and I think they owned yeah. um, Sparta Prague outright and uh, there were some other clubs yeah. they had interest in and they sold those uh, pretty, you know, pretty quickly. So, um, yeah, they wouldn't be able to buy yeah. a full stake in us unless... They sold PSG. I see. It, it's it's a difficult one, I think, because I think in in my, my the principled stand that you know I met. I was talking to a Spurs supporting mate about this, and I was like, "Oh, I wonder how I'd feel if it happened. Would I give up my season ticket? Would I stop supporting Spurs?" And I was like, "I'm not going to stop supporting Spurs. If I, my my principled stand might be, well, I'm not going to get um, you know, I'm not going to uh, renew my season ticket, but ultimately." If if we if that happens and we start getting some big players in in the summer or something like that, that I feel that that will be forgotten for me because I think ultimately I I want our club to be successful. So, you know, I think I think that I'd I'd it would be as normal for me. <laughs> You know, uh, I, I think that's extremely honest. I mean, you know, you, I've gone on about this before. Nothing uh, amplifies hypocrisy more than football. And by mm-hmm. the way, take it that I come from the standpoint that everyone is a hypocrite uh, mm-hmm. in general. I mean, hypocrisy is impossible to avoid uh, as an adult. You obviously you hold yourself to the highest standards you can and hope that you can be the least of a hypocrite that's possible mm-hmm. to be but football does have a way of blowing that out of the water it does yeah. i mean i've compromised myself more times than i care to mention so you know i i, I think you're i think what you're saying is very honest um i think there is a line uh for for me in mm-hmm. in, in the moral terms i'm not sure what that is yet um and I, I don't know i have to tell you i don't think this is going to happen um that that's just a general instinct i have I, I just I, don't think it's going to happen. If it did happen, what I'd be intrigued by is how much of that 25% minority investment would actually end up translating into the playing staff anyway. So, so it's just me who's going to go off and form a Atletico Hotspur podcast then, is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I think you know, your point there, Steph, about, I mean, chances are it won't happen. We know that there's been you know, countless people who've approached the club in the past yeah. about trying to buy an interest and uh, Enoch want to sell at a premium, which means selling, you know, above market value. So, you know, we we do have, you know, quite a lot that's unique about us that might be attractive to, to other investors. Um, you know, Steph, we were joking before we started recording that it would be typical that we'd get, um, you know, kind of Middle Eastern finance and then that's used to buy a NFL franchise and put them at, <laughs> at the stadium. And, <laughs> Um, he wanted you know, to hear that conversation, Ram. It was good. <laughs> we ended up with a and, hybrid super game. You know, so, <laughs> two sports, you know, two and, teams. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you, you could imagine the kind of London Spurs playing in uh, playing in Qatar um, 
you know, having games out there. So I don't know. Um, I, in, in terms of kind of investment into the into the club, I mean, if they were, you know, we're a limited company, so if they're putting putting money in, it would either have to be in return for share capital, and you would imagine that Enic aren't going to want to water down their their holding by doing that. So they'd have to, you know, if, if KSI owned exactly. a, a quarter share, then yeah. Enic have to put in three pounds for every one pound that that KSI would put in. The other way that KSI could do it would be in directors' loans, which could be interest free. That's possible, but you know, again, that they'd either have to be repaid or um, or converted into into share capital at some point. So. Yeah. Um, Enoch aren't going to want to, you know, if they, they're not going to want to lose control to a minority shareholder. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, poss- it's possible. You know, there's there's lots going on. Um, that you know, there's lots of interest that you know might be of interest to them. But yeah, I also think there's a long way to go, and and we'll probably be priced out of a move. Or so, but you have you have hatched what I think could be, and this is a loop around uh, to uh, Harry Kane discussions that uh, keep on ongoing about contract and is he going to renew and whatever sort of if. We managed to get an American buyer who invests and creates an American franchise in the next two seasons. You know, let's say the super, the super hot spurs or whatever. We can extend to Harry Kane the invitation that when he hangs up his boots, having broken every record, he can then become the kicker for this new <laughs> London franchise. Maybe that's how we keep Harry Kane at Tottenham Hotspur, dream. is to get an American buyer and an NFL team in uh, the Hotspur, that's his dream. Hotspur Stadium. Yeah, I feel so. like I, I actually, uh, my gut feeling, I know, Steph, you said your gut feeling is this won't happen, but my gut feeling is the same. And I, I actually think I, I, I sense an American company going in for us just because everything's in place for them yeah um you know to kind of just take up what is already a very well-run organization and just and i, and I, I was very us, comfortable yeah. in that thought until milo in our pre-pod chat floated uh the the, the idea that I, I i don't know if he wants to share it with us if he doesn't i will share it um do you <laughs> want to share the, the no, thought? Go on. <laughs> milo floated the thought he said hey, you know you think about it it might be attractive for a qatari outfit to bring uh american football or the nfl to qatar yeah, that's very so true. that sort of uh, yeah. which is an equally good point uh, and sort of mm. like made me feel a little less yeah. <laughs> confident but hey i don't think it's going to happen so can I just quickly say on a general point, like, you know, we talk about, we kind of joke about the franchises or we joke about these super leagues and stuff like that. It really feels like the, and it seems it's only with football. The only thing that's stopping this um, is, is essentially us because you've to talk about clubs that have been around for a hundred plus years. So the fans are, are so deeply rooted, even though that we are shown disdain in a lot of ways. I feel like we're like the last bastion of hope um, that we, you know, we won't turn into like, like an NFL type, you know, where a team will just uh, up sticks and go somewhere else. Uh, it could still well happen, but I think we are kind of like, you know, as as uh, not just you know Spurs supporters, the supporters as a whole. You know, there's there's so much heritage there that we're fighting to keep. You know, if KSI do buy a handful of clubs, you can imagine them holding you know preseason tournaments, you know PSG and Braga mm. and you know whoever else uh, playing playing there. I mean, that would make a lot of sense. Mm. Um, KSI also own uh, BN Sports, so oh wow. There's an interest there. Yeah. I mean, quick question, which is not in our notes, but I think it's worth asking. If we were to form um, an NFL franchise, uh, would you uh, each become uh, active supporters or, or of that of that team? I've never watched an NFL game in my life, and I don't imagine that start changing. <laughs> Yeah, I'd be there with the big foam hand and the, you know, <laughs> <Excellent>. <laughs> we're in here together. Oh, yeah. 
Are we there with it with it with a giant cock on yeah. my head? Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll keep up the tacky but, element but, on this pod if it kills us, Rev. I, we'll I think I think I saw a smirk from uh, from Milo. Just a small smirk from Milo there. Of course you did, of course, because he knows it's absolutely true. That's why. <laughs> oh dear. I mean we did we did dance to Derude for Christ's sake at Forest, so anything's possible. Yeah. Imagine dancing to Derude with a giant foam cockerel on your head and a big pointy finger at <laughs> On the super ticket, which is something else uh, uh, Milo and I discuss, which is, uh, you know, uh, we play football at midday and then we play American football at six or seven. Yeah. So, anyway. Wow. Yeah. I'm, All right. I'm, well, I'm cutting this before you got to the rude bit to save your embarrassment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that being said, uh, I'll take over here for a second. Is that, is that, can I? Can I charge yeah, in? Of course you can. Yeah, yeah. After, after just, you, just, I have to wind myself back into respectability here. Um, Pedro Porro is the um, rumour that won't go uh, <clears throat> Pierre-Emile Hoybier. Have I forgotten him? Pierre-Emile Hoybier has been named Danish Male Footballer of the Year. Right, now you can go. No, no, no. First, all I can say is in reply to myself that forgetting that is for helvete, Stefan. For helvete, Stefan. Disgraceful. I, I'm ashamed. And my shame... Not recognising him, uh, is, it, it, it cannot be quantified. Seriously, it's a great award. And wore a really nice suit to the award ceremony. What was it? Well, no, it's just well tailored. It was a, a nice suit. Well done, Pierre, and uh, well done, Milo, for correcting my leap ahead to the rumour that won't go away, which, as I said, was Pedro Porro. Numerous reports keep on saying that he's our first choice right wing back target for the window and he is keen to make the switch, apparently, sporting a rumour to be holding out for Poro's £40 million release clause. The plot thickens and doubtless will until the end of the window. Real Madrid and Barcelona have been linked with him uh, this weekend. So, Oh, wow. I, mean, I, I do wonder, um, I think the, the mail carried a story Friday, Thursday or Friday, um, uh, talking about Marcus Edwards as well. And I think probably the Edwards bit that makes the most sense is that we've got a 45% interest in his resale. Um, he's got, a, I think, a 60 million euro um, release clause. And I, I do think that maybe cashing in that release clause, sorry, the, the sell-on fee now, and then getting that knocked off Poro's sale price makes sense. I, I can't imagine Edwards is ever going to actually meet that, you know, be sold for that kind of money. And cashing in now, um, whilst a gamble, because he he might push on and you know, be worth a lot more. But um, yeah, I think that makes sense. And make and would make and, and would make Poro very affordable. Um, you know, if you if you if you're knocking twenty million, twenty five million off that forty million fee, then it starts getting very very you know good value. Okay, but I'll put this I'll, I'll put this question about that value to you, Ram. Uh, you know, do, what if it comes down to okay, we will not work with you on that. What is Sporting say? We're not, we're not going to work with you on that. You can't have him. Conti wants him. Do you think we should just pay the forty million and be done? I think we should because it's not something we would normally do. I think I think if we want, if he, if it's someone Conti wants, if it's someone who he believes is going to be a big up, you know, an upgrade on the squad or a, a really valuable addition to the squad, let's just get it done. Because I think, you know, otherwise, I mean, how many times in the past, I know I know transfers in general are hit and miss, and I know we've had some great players come in um, that have been hit or miss, but how many times have we had this happen where we're like, we're going to haggle over six or seven million or something like that, and they've end, the players end up going somewhere else, and they've ended up being, you know, a superstar. Um, 
Why not? Why not? Why not do it? Why not? Let's push the boat out. Let's let's um, let's give Conte what he wants, and then and then at the end of the season we can we can kind of you know regroup and go. Well, is that a model we want to continue with, or is that something that we is definitely not part of the fabric of our club? I mean, we're all assuming this is what Conte wants. We don't know for certain, and you know, I, I think there's better. I think there's better out there. Whether they're available in January, I don't know. Mm. I, I mean, I, I went back and watched both of our games against Sporting, our Champions League games. Uh, over Christmas and I, I watched sporting a bit this season um but specifically to watch him and I think he's better than what we've got but I think I'd have some concerns about elements of his game I'm not convinced that he'd come straight in and be straight in the side um defensively he's not brilliant he's very he's, his passing is good he's good in possession I, I think he'd help us um uh, uh beat the press uh, but he's not a ball carrier, so he's not in terms of getting upfield. It's going to be pass and move. Um, but he's good in the final third, and, and you know, good crosser, like high volume crosser. Mm. But you know, he's five for eight, so you're not going to see him arriving at the back post. He's you know, very different proposition to Doherty. If you're getting crosses from from Perisic on one side, he's not going to be meeting him at the back post. Mm. Um, but then Hakimi, I think he's only a cent, uh, an inch shorter than Hakimi, so you know, maybe the height's you know overblown. I'd look at, um, I say Frimpong and Baku um, in, in Bundesliga would be my choice, and uh, Jeremy uh, Frimpong is at, is at um, Leverkusen, and uh, Ali Gold was saying that Leverkusen are interested in taking uh, Jed Spence on on loan. So mm. maybe there's, uh, maybe we can do a right back swap. Is he related to? I was just scared. <laughs> no, no, but he was he was on Man City's books. I mean, as was Poro actually. So um, yeah, well, that that that's fine. I just wondered if he was related to he, you know, Emmanuel. He qualifies as homegrown Emmanuel as well. He qualifies as homegrown as well. He mm-hmm. so he came he came through Man City, oh, wow. then went to Celtic, and then went from Celtic to Leverkusen. If this was City after him, for example, or Chelsea, Who, do you think they? Yeah, yeah. Do you think they'd be like, or, or as it's been reported now, Madrid or Barca, would they just be like, yeah, we'll pay you the money, here you well, go. And- C- City have got a buyback clause on Porro, I think twenty five million. So. Yeah, if they wanted him, they could get him straight away. But but like a Chelsea or something like that, or or even a Newcastle. Do yeah. You think, did, yeah. Do you think they would just stump up the money? Yeah, I think they probably would. I mean, if he's first choice, if he genuinely is first choice, then um, I think we should do it. Um, I don't think forty million is. I think it's probably more than he's worth, but I don't think it's extortionate in the current it's kind market. Of standard, isn't um, it? Yeah. But I do think cashing in on Edwards while his stock's high probably mm. makes sense and trying to knock mm. knock the fee down. Yes, it's interesting uh, to note that uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona are attached to him. It seems that they suddenly become interested in anyone that uh, you know the selling club wants to sell for the premium price. They'll float the name out there. I'd, I'd yeah. have to take those with a pinch of salt. But yeah, another question that will be answered on February 1st. That is a solid prediction on my part. By February 1st, the answer to Pedro Porro will be upon us. Um, it will also uh, be upon us as to whether perhaps are has gone on loan to Salonitana. Salonitana, the Serie A side. I apologise if I've butchered that name. Um, Salonitana uh, are in the early stages, apparently, of talks to take Papsar on loan for the rest of the season. Uh, Christian Cellini has said this weekend, and Conte also during the week, that we are not looking to loan out Sar or Hill for that matter, for the second half of the season. So I think we can probably chalk this one up to, you know, he had several pots on the boil and that was one of them way back when. And now, you know, we don't need to keep that pot on the boil yeah. anymore. I don't think it's going to happen. Severe would be linked with him before these last two games as well. So, yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, this is not 
a Spurs related uh, item or occurrence, uh, but it is a football one. And, uh, you know, it is with great sadness that we saw Gianluca Vialli lose a second battle with cancer this past week at the age of 58. Um, you know, Viali was a pioneer in terms of bringing Italian and Serie A vibes to the to the Premier League. Um, he won so much silverware in his native country with both Juventus and Sampdoria. Uh, Sampdoria, where he infamously had a wild perm, if I remember correctly, um, which is probably somewhat hard for people to imagine now. But go look it up if you haven't seen those photos. Um, it was at Juventus that he and Antonio Conte became close. And with a third significant passing in four months, Antonio relinquished his media duties this week to assistant Christian Stellini, as such was his uh, sorrow over Viali's passing. And, you know, many across the football world have been effusive in their sorrow and tributes about Viali. And players, figures like Gianluca Viali, I think, show all of us that the football family will always recognise the good and the great within its own world um, across tribal lines and across club lines and so on. Obviously, Viali was famous in this country for playing for Chelsea, one of our biggest rivals, but that doesn't matter right now. Um, we send our deepest condolences to the family and friends of Gianluca Viali. Gentlemen, if you have anything to add, please. Yeah, I have strong kind of childhood memories of him watching him on Channel 4, on you know, Italian football on Channel 4, and Syria and Italy was kind of blessed with you know, lots of great strikers at that time. But when he came to the Premier League, and you know, again, the, there was a kind of... Uh, 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 Several kind of big Italian strikers who came over around a similar time, you know, Ravinelli and uh, Lombardo and, you know, and others around the same time. Um, they, they brought a real star quality, didn't they? And, uh, you know, it wasn't long before that that, you know, we'd been banned from Europe and we, you know, English football was cut off for quite a long time, wasn't it? You know, around that. And, um, you know, as exotic as it got was, you know, an Irishman or a, a Scot or, um, you know, maybe someone from you know, Scandinavia who didn't really get, you know, prime Italian strikers you know people who are you know, real world stars in the in, in english football and he, he really was that and yeah i think it's a, a mark of the man that you know he played for one of our biggest rivals but i've never felt anything but you know total respect and you know admiration for him he's you know part of my childhood and just a great great player yeah exactly that and he really was as Milo said he really was a global sort of you know at the time of his time he was like a global megastar coming into the you know the Premier League and um and he did he crossed enemy lines for you know for everyone he's he's always been known as a as a you know he was always known as actually a gentleman um and uh, there's a few stories have come out since he's passed uh, mm. about just things he did around Chelsea and 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 back in back in Italy as well. Um, I I had the pleasure of uh, just through work, um, you know, working with him once, um, and it was very very brief. You know, it wasn't like we had a great you know a wonderful one on one chat. I think he was just in 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 the workspace that I was in. Um, but even then, you know, it was one of those things. You just thought I remember when he left, people were like because he doesn't normally do stuff you know that, that i do over here and and uh and uh people are, oh, he's just lovely wasn't he you know he was really really a real gentleman and things like that and it was uh it was um yeah it was it was a uh, it was sad to hear him pass especially at so young um but he'll always be remembered as you know a giant of the game and deservedly so i think one of the just to conclude i think one of the stories that i've heard that um I mean, it's not necessarily a unique story. We all saw it, but it put into perspective Italy's uh, win at the Euros. Um, you know, they talked a lot about his deep, deep friendship, and it's well known with uh, with Roberto Mancini um, and the fact that they worked together. Obviously, uh, they played together as international teammates. It never quite happened for them on the pitch, 
with Italy. Mm. You know, there was always uh, it was always a game too far or something just didn't quite click. But you know, he was undergoing treatment when you know they won the Euros, and so as much as nobody is happy that England lost that final, maybe the silver lining there is that the two of them got to finally celebrate. A, a really significant victory for their country, and looking back, you would say that that's a, a really beautiful thing. And I'm glad that I'm glad that they did that together, and I'm glad that they had that. Yeah, we talked about you know, the impact on Conte. I think Vio was part of the that Italian coaching setup as well. So there's others at the club who um, you know have worked with him and you know, knew him. Yeah, yeah, mm. yes. Well, there's no easy segue out of uh, the week that was, especially with that final item uh, into our FA Cup third round tie against Portsmouth. So we're just going to crack right into it and start talking about our FA Cup third round game at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium against Portsmouth, which resulted in a 1-0 victory for us. As we always do, we kick off, uh, chaps, with the simplest of questions. Uh, in this case, maybe a little more complicated. What did we think of the team selection? It was pretty close to what I was expecting. You know, of players we'd want to start next weekend against Arsenal, only Kane and Son were starting. So most of our players you know, got got a weekend got a weekend off or got a week off which is good um skip came in at the last minute for basuma basuma was carrying an ankle knock that he'd picked up against palace and then uh, had a reaction during uh, warming up for the game so skip came in with a few minutes you know prep but yeah i was pretty much what i was expecting and um it was good to see sar rewarded for his um you know, his 20 minute spell against palace yeah, I was very happy that Saar uh, was included with that. I was surprised that uh, um, both Kane and Son uh, were in the first 11. I did think that one of them would be given a rest um, it, with, with the NLD in mind. Um, I think there was some confusion amongst us fans about whether Kane would be suspended if he got a yellow card, which I, I don't think would have been the case because um, it was a cup game. But yeah, you know, it was a good, uh, uh, it was a sol- solid starting lineup. Um, I was pleased to see Skip as well. Um, there, I, I'm actually I'm a fan of Skip. I think I think he offers quite a lot, um, and he's still young. You know, he's still he's still uh, classed as a young player. So, um, so yeah, I was happy to see him play. Yes, he is still young, even though he repeatedly seems to morph into uh, <laughs> Wilfred Bramble. <laughs> to me, it's unbelievable how old he looks. <laughs> he's Benjamin Button in reverse, bless him. Uh, but yes, I, I will say I was surprised at the defence. I was surprised to see both uh, Sanchez and Tanganga in the same defence, uh, albeit if I'd taken a step back and thought about it, it was inevitable. Um, you know, I, as much as I don't think Jaffet is probably the answer to any of our uh, questions anymore, sadly, I may say, I think that's a case of possible miscoaching along the line uh, somewhere in the last few years. It was nice to see that Antonio gave him a vote of confidence. So from that perspective, you know, good. And a uh, big Fraser in goal. I mean, you know. It wasn't that dissimilar to the lineups we were seeing in the mid-season friendlies. No. Um, you know, Kane and... Mm. Kane in there obviously didn't play in any of those but other, other than that it feels pretty similar yeah and, and I mean you you've you know we're moving into that area of how did we play um you know we played a team that uh you know in the first half Christian Stellini said were ruthlessly effective in their in their deployment of a game plan that's what he was uh, saying about Portsmouth and they were I mean you know but how do you think we played against that I mean it was like a training exercise in my opinion we never really got out of second gear I thought we played okay Portsmouth were, you know, made it difficult for us. We were you know, compact, you know, weren't particularly ambitious, um, really only looking to hit us on the break. Did Forster have anything to do all game? I don't think he did, did he? Not really, no. Um, there, was so, that guy, there was that guy from Portsmouth who was trying to pull the Jack Grealish, and bless, I've forgotten his name, but uh, he, he got 
close with a couple of cheeky dinkers, but it wasn't really much, was it? No. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the most thrilling game. It was pretty professional. You know, we were knocking on the door without really... You know, I think we, you know, we only had one shot on target, and that was Kane's goal. But there were, you know, we were, yeah, we weren't particularly troubled by them. No, not at all. And and you know, let's be honest, it's an FA Cup. Uh, is it third round match against uh, League One side? You know, again, you, there's there's all potential. They're obviously going to come, and 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 it's that you know ours. So they were always going to come. It was always going to be difficult, irrespective um, of of league of the opposition if they're in the lower leagues. And like Milo said, we only had one shot on, on target, but we had 18 shots on goal, 72 mm. percent possession. 678 passes to their 266 678 passes yeah so you know i mean just just going by the stats it was like you said it was we were we were always in complete control it was just a case of like having to be a bit patient it was nearly death by a thousand passes anyway (laughs) yeah i was thinking before the game kind of pessimistic view is with that many changes does it end up being like our europa conference games last season where you know you can't string a you know passes together and it's a bit disjointed and then you get hit on the break or you know and it just falls to pieces and it wasn't like that i mean it wasn't no. wasn't the most fluid game we you know you know several of our players had off days but yeah we were pretty comfortable all the way through yeah, it was very orderly, wasn't it? I mean, it was just I, 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 I've seen games that have annoyed me more this season. I have to be honest. No, I have. I mean, it's no doubt. I've yeah. seen games that have aggravated me more in terms of performance. This wasn't one of them. As a matter of fact, if I have any complaint about the way we played, it was really that it didn't give me any emotion one way or another. I was just fulfilling my job watching it as they were filling their job playing it. It seemed like one giant circle of fulfillment. So let's let's focus in on uh, you know we we talked a lot about youth at the at the top of the show. Let's focus in on two of our young guns, um, Papsar and Ollie Skip. Um, I'll ask you both this question: uh, You know, do you think they're competing for time, or do you think Antonio is seeing if he can rely on them as a duo in in you know in cases of desperation? No, I don't think he's looking to rely on them as a duo. He wasn't intending to do that in this game. It was just because Basuma was out. You know, realistically, their fifth and sixth choice uh, in our lineup. I mean, I think if you add uh, Harvey White into the mix, I think we've got too many central midfielders for the second half of the season. And we could do with, and probably White, going out on loan because I don't think they're going to see a huge amount of game time. Skip, I thought, was quite scrappy. I think, you know, similar against Palace. You know, he wasn't particularly composed in possession and the kind of diving challenge in the first half um, was uh, was messy and uh, on another day could have been quite nasty and could have he could have seen red for and that's on top of him making a diving challenge although that was Perisic giving him a shitty pass in the previous game so you know in mitigation he's been out injured for a long time and hasn't played hasn't started many games so he's rusty but he's in danger of being eclipsed by Saar very quickly yeah i mean i do agree with that i don't i don't think they're competing for time i do agree that they're sort of you know a bit lower down the pecking order and i also agree with your last point milo about Saar. you know he, he just just from what he's shown in the last couple of games that he could end up eclipsing skip but i still like i said at the start i still think that uh skip is someone we if you know if we can get him back to sort of uh get rid of the ring rust and get him back and playing as he can i think he's a really valuable addition you know member of our squad i think that he i think that aggression that he shows i think he went over the top 
in these last couple of games with those tackles. But I think in general, he in the past, he's always shown the sort of aggression that we really need in games where we're either we're up against it or we need to just just need someone on the pitch that's actually going to just do a bit of drive or or do something that will just galvanise um, others around him. Um, but time will tell with that. Um, I do hope that we can see the skip that I think we all thought, you know, we uh, all, all want to see and have seen in the past. Skip for me, it's it's unfortunate really because as Milo said, Rusty. I mean, that's the first word that sprung to my mind when watching him uh, in the last uh, couple of games. He's definitely a little rusty. He's also, I think, uh, probably aware that the competition for places is really hotting up. I mean, Basuma coming in in the summer will have put the wind up his sails, if you will. And so he's possibly feeling that pressure a little bit. It'll be interesting to see how he responds to that. And now he's looking across. And I, look, I, I will be very blunt. I think Papsar is a hell of a player in, 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 in potential and I, I think already he could do an excellent job for us personally and I think you both know this I would have him playing uh, in, in this current system uh, ahead of ahead of Basuma which is um, possibly a, a, yeah. a, a big call but that would be my personal preference I think his maturity on the ball and his just ability to keep the game moving forward whilst doing simple stuff he understands when to play a pass and when to push and not. It's so fluid and effortless. And he's everywhere without seeming undisciplined. Hell of a player. Yeah, I mean, if you're bringing on someone for the final 10 minutes of a game to sit out, I'd rather bring on Saar than Skip because he's just so much tidier in possession and just a better football brain. I I was thinking but you know, forward to the summer. And if we want to bring in a central midfielder, we're going to have to see at least one go. And on current form... It's going to be between Basuma and Skip, isn't it? Who's leaving? And you know, Skip maybe being homegrown plays into his favour. But you know, as you said, Steph, you know, we brought in Basuma ahead of him last summer. Um, you know, a year ago he was first choice, you know, first choice central midfielder alongside Hoybier. Now he finds himself fifth or sixth choice. Um, it may well be that you know his future lies somewhere else longer term but you know useful squad player for the rest of the season yeah indeed and let's uh move on to um you know the, the roaring and soaring emergence of brian hill you know it's going to be impossible not to dip into the palace game again when we're talking about these specific players and and obviously in hill's case that is especially the case chaps what do you have to say about his his sudden and his sudden emergence as a as a, a real option as opposed to a plug. I mean, this is one of the reasons why I like youth players or younger players in the team, because you see them grow almost by the minute. Mm. And that second half against Palace, I mean, I thought he'd done okay oh. in the first half, but that second half, you could just see his confidence grow. And the pass through to Kane for... Brilliant. Kane's, yeah, an inch-perfect pass. Um, yeah. But you could see him just get a buzz out of that and the kind of confidence yeah. to to his game. And I think we've seen flashes of that before. But, you know, when we think about those kind of Champions League games earlier on this season, it was kind of chaos, wasn't it? It was just like he was just chucking everything at it and, you know, without the discipline. But actually, he's been quite disciplined these last couple of games and, and intelligent and, um, you know, very aware of what's going on around him and, you know, other players' movements. And, yeah, no, really, really good to see, really enjoyable. Yeah. And he... um. 
I mean, he was knocking. You know, but he was he not knocking on uh, the Sp- Spanish national team. He's got four caps. Um, he's got four caps yeah. for Spain. So yeah, and 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 that's the thing. Like I think we. I mean, we've talked about him on this pod. You know, a fair few times. We we all see the potential in him, and I think um, people talk about his size. You know that how how he's still very small, but he doesn't shy away from a tackle. He get he wants to get stuck in. Bear in mind, obviously, a lot of the times when he does get stuck in, he, he, he bounces off a few players, but he's always looking to drive forward. He's always uh, he's a very intelligent player. You know, he's got a lot of awareness around him. I think what's exciting about him is that he is intelligent and he's learning on the job. And I think he's starting yeah. to learn more and more. Um, you know, he's not just he's now not playing to impress. He's playing football. Yeah. He's playing. For, he's playing the game as opposed to I've got to show that I can do something every time. And with that intelligence, the next stage of his development, because physically he's going to take a little while to bulk up, but he Mm. does get into these positions where he can draw free kicks and he's not getting them right now. And I think it's a lot to do with maybe a little naivety in how I Mm. think that's the next stage short term that he can develop. And so he'll start winning us a lot of free kicks if he's just a little cuter in that movement and a little a little smarter in his reactions, maybe, and a little less hustle bustle as he's moving. And I, I think. I think it's, you know, his, his in-game intelligence is, is really impressive. Yeah, I mean, I was going to make the same point. I think, you know, he's always going to be smaller than most of the other players on the pitch, but it's about how you use your body, isn't it? And, yes. um, yeah. and yeah. you know, use that to your, you know, to your advantage. And I think, you know, back to that Palace game, I mean, you know, quite often he had, um, say, Schlupp and Ward and, you know, Will Saha on him. And, you know, Saha's a mm. funny one because... In his own half, he's strong as you like. It's when he gets nearer our goal that he seems to fall over a lot. And, you know, there were points where Zaha was kind of leaning on top of Hill and Hill was, you know, holding him up. That's not an easy thing. He's a, you know, yeah. th- those are big players you're up against there. And you know, if you think back to his fitness, the uh, when we were in South Korea in the summer, when they were doing those kind of torturous lengths of the pitch, he was the one who was yeah. you know, leading that. So, yeah. you know, he's clearly very, very fit. Um, and that, you know, yeah. and I think, I think we saw that in the last two games as well, because, you know, he was busting a gut to the very, you know, till he was taken off and, yeah. um, you know, very, 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 you know, athletic. Yeah. Great hair. Great hair. <laughs> yeah. He continues to look, someone said, wonder what he'd look like with a bunch of weight on him. And I couldn't help but look at his face and think he'd probably actually end up looking more like Peter Kay than Ringo Starr, <laughs> which is an unfortunate <laughs> realization, but it was really early in the morning uh, for me. And I maybe hadn't had as much coffee as I should have. The thing about Hill is it's, I mean, both of these players, but I mean, Hill particularly yeah, is playing in a, in a position where we've been short and you know, Saar, whilst he's been impressive, we're not really short of central midfielders and it's not quite so critical, but having someone who can fill in for Decky is absolutely critical for us. Yeah, because you led me into the the final thing I wanted to ask about Hill, uh, and we're there right now. So just to throw this in at you as you're as you're talking about it, is this why we have maybe uh, opted out of Malinowski? Uh, do we think that someone, uh, i.e., Antonio Conte, is now finally convinced? Okay, all right, I think I can rely on him to be, you know, a, an effective um, substitute. For Decky, which, by the way, I think is 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 unfair on the lad because Decky's very hard to replace, and I don't think he's a replacement. Well, no, 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 but he he he's got the skill set, so he can play the same position, but he's also got the skill set that our other forwards haven't haven't got. Yeah, you know, he's a better passer than the other players we can we can bring into the side. He can unlock a defence in different ways. Um, I still think we'll bring in another forward this this window. I mean, evidently with Malinowski, he's, he's joining um, Marseille, isn't he, with a, a loan to a. a, a 
with a purchase in the summer, evidently we were only interested in loaning him. Um, and that's kind of the difference between the deal two. I mean, ideal, ideally for me, um, we'd let Mora leave six months early and he can join Sao Paulo. You know, we've barely seen him in the first half of the season. Yeah. He's got this mystery, mystery injury. Um, let him, let him go back to Brazil and bring someone else in. And then if you've got, um, Bolsonaroitis, I think, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, if we've got Sun, Kane, Decky, Richie, Hill, plus one, there's plenty of options there then. And particularly if we, if that plus one can play a number of positions, you know, we're in a really strong position, really strong place for the, for the second half of the season. You can stop giggling now, Ram. <laughs> <laughs> Had to beat my mic. Yeah, it was, a, it was a cheap, a cheap, a cheap dig at Lucas, but, um, but yeah, no, 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 I think, I think that's all fair comment indeed. And, and I, I look, I think that we, we should certainly be bringing it someone else in i mean i don't think there's any shadow of a doubt i think it's too much pressure on brian hill's development and i think it's too much pressure on the player himself because if he is going to be put up as the official backup to to decky uh you know it's only a matter of time before he puts in a performance that does not match a standard even close and everyone will start jumping all over him we don't need that we need to positively enhance what's happened and you know we saw against villa where you know they got very disciplined and numbers back and didn't really give him the space that he 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 needs i mean admittedly with us not really playing the kind of balls that he needs either mm-hmm. um you know he might struggle there will be other games like that this season there yep. will be teams that pack the defense and probably try and clatter him <laughs> i mean i say this a lot i say development isn't linear you don't it's just not no. a straight line you get better by degrees each game there's ups and downs along the way and he'll have some he'll have some downs um but yeah, no, it was really good. Yeah. Really good. I, I think the other thing actually is that you could see the trust of the other players in him grow yeah, over those games. That people that, yeah. were, you know, they 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 were looking for him, and yeah, that's good. I think in this league as well, um, they like like you said, like you said, other teams will then target him. And that's going to be a real test of character for him because you know that that's just how our league is. You know they look for I love it that that player which they can you know kind of bully almost. But um, I love it. You've got that, you you've yeah. just gone all northern there. And in this league, you don't get to walk around the pitch like a fancy Dan. You get bloody clattered if you do that too much. That's brilliant. And you said it twice. Brilliant. I saw visions of of, of Sam Allardyce in the, in, the, in my screen. That was excellent. He's our Graham Sooners, isn't he? No, oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. He, he's, <laughs> He doesn't like those. He doesn't like those fancy Latin types, Ram. He's um, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Ram rhymes, yeah, rhymes yeah. with Graham. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was brilliant. I mean, look, not not to detract from the point. You, you made a very good point, but I, I couldn't help but uh, have a giggle at that. that no, I, I think uh, yeah, and I think <laughs> I think it's actually I, I think it would be good for him, you know, to kind of to kind of go up against right. that. Give him know, a good clatter and, and let him know where he is. <laughs> Take it on no. the take it on the shins, the op- lad, not the chin. <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> the opposite, like him, him coming through those, you know, relatively unscathed. And yeah. that's that was the point I was making. No, no, not that you know, it was a, it's a man's a, game. No, it's very good. It, it is a good yeah. point. And again, I think it goes back to him also maybe being a little cuter with his movement and winning free kicks yeah. and learning that side of it, which is another side of this league. Mm. To uh, to join you, but no, they're all good points. We did mention uh, in our. Pre-chat very quickly. I know we talked about Alfie Devine, um, who, if Sonny had stayed on side, would have had an assist probably, you'd like to think, uh, although not guaranteed, sadly, with Sonny right now, would have had an assist within minutes of coming on the pitch. Uh, I think we all agree we continue to like him and hope that he gets the the positive loan that he needs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
And then okay. Spence came on and was noticeably more conservative, which to me suggests that finally, finally, he has reluctantly agreed that to himself that, well, when I get a chance under this manager, I have to do what he wants rather than trying to show him what I can do. Did that feel right? Or am I reading that right in your opinion or not? I mean, I think that's a bit of a funny take, but I think you're, you're starting with a negative on him. I think... I don't... I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it as a negative at all. It was an observation that he'd actually, you know. Uh, so he definitely played more conservative. I think that's about the game state when he came on. In that, you know, we had a one nil lead. We didn't have long left to play, and I think he played intelligently and helped us see out the game. Um, so yeah, I think from that point of view, it was right. I, I think what I was questioning more is kind of filling in the gaps about the other stuff, and I don't, I don't know about, um, you know, how he is. Outside of that, you know, the game, this game is very different to the Forest game, which is his other kind of big chance, wasn't it? Um, Ali Gold, again, has written a piece today where he's saying that um, the coaching staff have been uh, you know, very complimentary about him, saying that he's always, you know, hasn't complained about not getting chances, worked hard in training, is learning well. I thought it was positive. It was a positive performance, but he needs a loan. He's not going to get the games for us. So he needs a loan. Yeah, I mean, and just to clarify, because I mean, I do, I do want to make sure that nobody thinks I was being negative about him. I was saying that perhaps Conte will have looked and said, great, I can trust him to play to a system, even though I know he's got this flair in him that 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 is burning to be uh, to be illustrated or displayed. The only goal piece says that I mentioned earlier on, Leverkusen are interested in taking him on loan, which I think you know, would be good for him. There's meant to be three Premier League clubs interested as well. Such a curious signing, really, given the potential versus what we've done. But Ram, we're we're preventing you from having your Jed Spence moment. No, no, I was just going to say that um, when when I speak to mates uh, who support you know opposition teams and things like that, when they talk about Spence, they they sort of see in him or they go, oh, that Spence, like why isn't he getting games? Or he he's got so much potential and things like that. And it is quite like you said, it's it's curious, isn't it? It's curious that he's not perhaps getting the game time that he, he could have had. But but I feel. I feel alone would be good for him, um, you know, to to get regular playing time and then and then regroup and and kind of try and force his way in in the summer. I think at the start of this season, Milo, both you and I said that we thought um, Spence would be first choice right back by uh, or right wing back by the World Cup, um, and that hasn't happened, you know. And I was quite surprised by that, but uh, but there you go. I was the uh, <clears throat> I was the lone dissenter, but I can't say it was based on talent. I think it was based on the nature of the signing. I mean, I don't think it's, just to be clear, I don't think any of it's about talent or whatever. It's about system, fit to the system versus, you know, who really wanted him at the club. Yeah. I mean, I think in terms of fit for the, fit for the system, he fits the system best out of any of our right wing backs. But, yeah. you know, obviously Conte, you know, hasn't seen what he wanted or, done. Yeah. I mean, I think we've got to be honest as well. Conte doesn't trust youth. You know, Hill mm. and Saar wouldn't have played these last this last week if the senior players were fit. So. Yeah. You know, Spence isn't far off that. You know, these players are getting a chance because we've got serious injury problems at the moment or, you know, suspensions. I mean, he, yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think, you know, I mean, I think Deke and Romero are probably outliers in that regard. I mean, they've, they come, their ages are sort of, uh, sort of, don't mean anything, do they, with, in terms mm-hmm. of their experience? So, yes, I think he does not trust a lack of experience at the top level. It's, uh, doesn't trust raw youth. In, indeed. That's the difference, yeah. isn't it? Spence has come yeah. off the, uh, yeah, out of the championship, whereas, you know, yeah. Deke and, and Benton Kerr were playing in, um, 
Yeah, Serie A. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Sessignon is probably the other outlier there, isn't he? So skip. Um, but well, I look. I, I mean, we're there, and he's not in the notes. And I know this is not going to be popular, but I'm really, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really sort of done with him. Unfortunately, with Sess. I I thought he was uh, I thought he flattered to deceive at best yesterday and was thoroughly uninspirational and I was looking uh, I was looking to him to really have an impact on the game yesterday and and he just did not and he just doesn't look like it's I, I think I think he might be a player who benefits from a fresh start at another club while we can still get money for him he's coming for a lot of flack um, and I think he did probably a little better than you know I think in the first half he he won six corners and got two or three crosses across but no one met them um so you know if you're not going to get a cross in then winning a corner is you know the second best option but he lacks a spark i think if we're honest i think mm. um yeah i think his performance was better than certainly the comments i was seeing online but uh it wasn't a performance where you where you're he's putting himself in consideration for you know any of the big games coming up really um and Perisic has got better as the season's gone on and Sessignon's gone in the other direction. And with um, Udugi coming in in the summer, I think, yeah, I think maybe maybe you let him go in the summer. Now forwards. Let's let's start with the positive and the obligatory Harry Kane minute. Let's keep it to 30 seconds, I suppose, trying to move it on. Once again, I was left wondering where we would have been in this game without Harry Kane. <laughs> I'm left wondering where we would be as a football club without Harry Kane. Such a typical Kane goal. He just pulls it out of nowhere, doesn't he? And just yeah. like one, two, Larrap. I mean, unbelievable. You know, what a finish. I mean, it was the assist from Sessignon that really made it, I think. You know. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> oh, he's, he was hovering around the edge of the box and he couldn't resist it. A snapshot. It's, a, it's there. <laughs> just like Harry. <laughs> Skip past you, Steph. Oh, indeed. indeed. It. <laughs> Skip past you. Left me lunging in like a, like a Kenny Burns of, of the past. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Harry was, uh, was, was superlative again, uh, really, wasn't he? Just, yeah. you know, drip, he dropped oh. in in the second half, started to make things tick a little more when we needed a little more tempo and a little more yeah. creativity. Do you know, his finish, uh, some of his finishing in the last couple of games is just, I, I said it in our ch- chat group, I said it's vintage Harry Kane, you know, like, I mean, he's not an old player, but it is, it's just, hard, it's, it's such good finishing. It's one of the best in the world at it. Um, and I actually feel, I wonder if what happened at the World Cup. No, I agree. It's actually an advantage yes. for us. Yes. Because Harry's the sort of player that wouldn't, won't shrink. He'll be like, right, I'll show you. No. I'll show you what I'm made of. And he is. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, he, he's got better since the World Cup. Well, we discussed <laughs> this. All, yeah. We discussed this, didn't we? Uh, uh, probably, we, we, yeah. we discussed whether at the time he was the sort of player who would, you know, be devastated beyond belief by this and it would drag him down or whether he would use it to double up if you will, yeah. and and be as and maybe be more lethal than ever before, uh, and I yeah. I think that we you know I think our predicted answer is happening because as you say his yeah. finishes have been they've had a little bit of venom to them actually I mean he's really mm. you know and and actually all the finishes I mean you know he's that header against uh, against uh, Pat well we're, we're going to be talking about all this stuff but but the header against Brentford yeah. was was incredible uh, then you got the finish yeah. against Palace and you got yeah, they're all top class finishes it's like yeah. he suddenly found that extra spring in his step and as yeah. as we've said maybe it is you know 
I'm going to show everyone. It's the sort of finishes from his break, you know, with his first few breakthrough seasons when he yeah. started getting in the goals and those sorts of things, like against Chelsea and teams like that, he yeah. was shooting from outside the mm. box. Like everything was going in and mm. it feels like he's kind of like a, it's, that circle's coming round again. Yes. The um, BBC commentators were talking about his tough run of form since the World Cup. You think you haven't been what? watching, what? have you? <laughs> I know you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't been watching. That reminds me of when you'd have these idiots who would go and review gigs, but uh, they'd all go to the bar instead, and then they'd write about a gig that you never saw, and you're like, what? That didn't happen. They didn't play this song. It's like you faintly haven't been watching. Wow. I think there's like this, uh, Harland has really like skewed things for the other strikers in the league, especially Harry, who I like any other season, it'd be like, what was it? 15 goals in 16 games or something. That's, that's an obscene return or whatever. But Haaland is like, unfortunately made people think, well, no one else is really good enough. That's great. I fancy Harry came for the golden boot. I like it. Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yes. He's catching up fast. Mm. Yeah. I think that Pep might think that he's better off going back to not playing with a striker if he wants to win the title. No, oh, but we discussed this off pot, didn't we? Yeah. And and work yeah. out how to how to play Haaland at some other point. Yeah, we did. Wow. Uh, yeah, no, no. This is this is this is an exclusive hot take for all of you that uh Erling Brute Haaland, yeah. I always thought that was a particularly apt middle name, will be pit <laughs> by the mighty Harry Kane to the golden boot um, and we'll avoid all exciting conversations about how many more goals he might get next week to break whatever records because you don't want to jinx it. <laughs> Ram's going to like him because he's a tough Yorkshire lad, isn't he? So, Oh, yeah, yeah. He's a- <laughs> hey, oh. That's exactly the sort of player we want at our club. Yeah, that Arland, he knows how to take one across the shins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> City, I think City made a mistake not actually bidding what Kane was worth because I think he would have been a far better fit yeah. for them. Oh my God, he would have been, well, but yeah, Harland-esque. <laughs> so I, I, am pro- I am proposing in the summer that we offer, the, to, offer to do a swap uh, as long as they subsidise <laughs> Harland's wages. I think that's... <laughs> oh dear. Oh well, the obligatory Harry Kane minute has uh, of course become five and he deserves a whole show and hopefully he's going to get one in the not too distant future when he breaks... Jimmy Greaves's all-time Spurs goal-scoring yeah. record. Um, let's talk about Sonny, the other side of a fantastic uh, strike partnership we have who's having a harder time right now. Um, we will talk about his reprieve earlier in the week. I do want to, uh, and we'll talk about that when we get to the Palace game, but I do want to say I thought he looked rusty again yesterday in places. The effort was there. He was working very hard, but it seems that he's fighting himself right now, confidence-wise, and you just wish he would relax a little more and trust. There was a moment right near the end of the game where he got a ball in on the left-hand channel, yeah. and and you looked and you're like, that the sunny of old takes one touch to get past. He was level with his man, one touch, and fires that, whatever happens. And instead, he hesitated and checked backwards. And I thought, oh, he's just not quite feeling it. Chaps, is he is he going to explode in, in seven days' time? I mean, on the football pitch. <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't very close. Yeah. I, I think if the team... If the team continues playing well and improving, then I think he will improve. I think mm. there's times this season when he's looked to try and do it all on his, on his own and it's not really his game. Uh, I thought about against Palace, I thought he looked a lot better and I think that's in part because Kane was playing a lot deeper than he has been for most of this season. There seems to be a conscious decision for Kane to, to be the furthest forward 
and particularly with Decky out, that means that we, you know, we're all huff and puff and, and not much creation. So I much prefer Sun playing in front of Kane than the other way around. Um, you know, Kane's a lot more creative player than than Sun is. So yeah, I I, I hope it will come and and that switch that we saw against Palace continues. Um, one thing about Sonny though, he had that lovely lovely cross that um that Royal headed at the back post and then hit the upright and came back out again. And I think you know that was millimeters away from going in and was you know it, it's a cross that if Perisic had put it in we would be we'd be raving about it. So he wasn't all bad, um, but it wasn't an easy it wasn't an easy game for him. No, and, and he he has improved as well. So I think it's important to see that there is an upward tra- trajectory with his performances, for the most part. And you know, I think he will. I think I'm, I'm really hoping like the NLD will be like uh, mm. uh, uh, you know the, the the sort of the catalyst for him to burst into life again. Um, but he's had. I feel he's had. You know, we mentioned before it's a golden bootitis. You mm. know, where he's like. He's he is snatching at things. He's had a few, you know, one on one situations this season where you just you you you'd, you you'd almost be reeling away celebrating before he was because you knew he was going to score and then he'd hit the keeper or hit it wide. But um, yeah, let's see what happens next week. One thing against you know, against Arsenal next weekend is that we know that there'll be space to attack um, mm. and Decky should be fit to come back into the side. I think it makes sense to play Kane and Son. The other way around, so Kane is deeper, particularly in that game, because Kane can feed him, and they will leave space for us to attack. And obviously, he had a fantastic, you know, match-winning mm. performance in the same fixture last season. Yeah. It will be the clearest um, indication we're going to get if that system is deployed as to whether he uh, still has the pace that we think. Uh, that he's always had or whether he's lost a half a yard that he can never recover that's the bit that I'm not quite sure about and I think more than anything he needs to trust himself to really go for it and see and and, and get some answers to that because uh, if if it is the latter and if he has actually genuinely lost half a yard of pace which I mean I think it's probably not true but it's hard not to ponder that you know this season but if that is the case then we have some questions to ask at the end of the season I think but uh, nonetheless I, I think you're both right I think we, we, we back him to find his form and I, I back this as a psychological moment not a physical one and Milo I'd love to see that next week you know from your mouth to the uh, game decider's ears is what I would say there um, let, let's move this along I think very very briefly let's just get to closing thoughts one positive and one negative um, on the 1-0 Cup victory against Portsmouth chaps. Uh three, two, one, Ram. Uh one positive, the Kane train keeps rolling. Uh one negative, uh just you know, a bit more huff and puff than we really wanted. Uh we, we really expected. Uh positive, uh Hill and Sar just been you know, they've been the highlight of you know, kind of post Christmas Spurs or you know, post return Spurs and they've really given us um some options there that we just didn't have uh you know before this week. So yeah, that was really good. Negative I suppose we made kind of heavier work of it than we really needed to. Yep, uh, I share Milo's positive, so no need to repeat that, but I agree with him. Uh, the negative for me personally was, once again, I'm sorry, I have to go back to Ryan Sessegnon. I really, really thought this was a game where he might show us more and he uh, continues to show me less. So that's my negative uh, for the performance. But as you said, Milo, we are through the fourth round of the FA Cup. Earlier in the week, well, my oh my. A result I think it's fair to say we didn't see coming at Selhurst Park against Crystal Palace, which is a ground that we've not always had the the happiest of times at. But what a happy evening it was at 4-0 thumping. 
um you know overall uh how did you think we played um you know and and the selection of course plays into your answer i'm sure so uh ram why don't you kick us off i went into this game thinking we'd be lucky to get out with a draw just you know because it's palace and well and historically we haven't done that well um you know against them at theirs but uh but yeah uh you know we kind of surpassed my expectations for sure and uh in the end it was a uh, it was a really positive performance and uh you know there was some there was some uh great performances all over the pitch and i think i think it was such a good response uh to the to the week we'd had before you know and i it would have been very dangerous even though it's not a place where we necessarily would nailed on to get a victory it would have been it it could have really hit hit us uh quite hard um to go from the villa game to that you know and and um set up you know continue down this downward spiral but i was really impressed i was happy with the um i was happy with the team selection uh and uh and i thought you know, it, it was a victory we definitely deserved in the end. Yeah, I mean, I think probably the only surprise in the team selection was Hill starting. I think a lot of people thought that we might switch to a five-man midfield after the tough time that Hill had against Villa. Um, and obviously, in hindsight, Conte keeping faith with him was a masterstroke. In terms of how we played, I thought we started the game well. We started brightly and created chances. Uh, Palace came you know, back into the game well that last kind of 20 minutes or so of the of the first half uh, and we were on the back foot a bit then and you know they've that, that palace side has got a lot of you know dangerous players there's there's some real yeah. quality there and there's you know there's a few that you could you could easily see playing at, at bigger clubs and you know palace have been very good at picking up you know talent from the you know the championship and elsewhere and and taking punts on players that maybe other clubs wouldn't so um yeah i thought that was a tough spell and then the second half was possibly the best we played all season mm. it was it just everything went as you could wish really yeah it was great and you know as i said earlier on watching hill gain confidence as the as the half went on you know he played played a part in three of the four goals and um yeah it's a joy to watch yeah i think that one of the things that really hit me about the first half is that we did come under the cosh uh, we did start to uh, look like uh, we were going to concede. Um, you know, I think Ayu was a was a pain in the backside as he always is. Um, uh, their centre back, I think Addison had a, a shot that went just wide. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, possibly the, uh, one of the more significant moments of the first half for me was when Lloris made that really good save to his right. And if you looked, who was the first person who was moving in right onto him, right there? to make sure that when that ball comes loose, if it's going to anyone, it's going to go to our team. That was Eric Dyer. And once again, I have to say that I think having Eric Dyer back as a leader on the pitch helped us turn that game from what could have been a very difficult second half into a superlative one. I think it was the thing that I saw we lacked against Aston Villa. Mm. You know, everyone talks about that game and saying that Lloris made the mistake and, you know, if he hadn't made that mistake, we'd have gone on to win. That's all fine and good. We've gone behind so many times this season and come back to win games. And it's usually because you do need some leadership on the field. And so it was nice to see leadership back on the field. And I don't think it's a point that can be made uh, too many times. Uh, As a matter of fact, I haven't seen it made at all, which kind of makes me laugh. I will say that I thought that uh, the way that we turned the game around in the second half is still somewhat confusing. And I've been thinking about it over and over again. We come back to one man and that man is Harry Kane. Harry Kane is single 
single-handedly turned that game around with his own industry and intelligence. And uh, as you said, Milo, um, you know, seeing the the faith placed in Hill was good because he was a player that I felt Kane, you know, you remarked about trusting uh, in the last game. I feel that those two have a little thing going and it seems that Kane trusting Hill and especially at that moment in the early second half, it it made all the difference. I thought they really started to work together and it was, it was really, I, I think that was what really helped drive us out, drive us on. I think Kane noticeably didn't trust him against Villa. And I think, yes. it, I think it was something that yeah. um, yes. you know, came as this game went on. So the first goal, Sun passes to Hill, Hill passes to Perisic. Perisic puts in the cross for Kane. I mean, a wonderful header mm. um, at the back post. Um, but I think Hill probably got a, a lift from the assist in the assist. And then the second goal, of course, was him threading the ball between the two defenders for Kane. Yeah. And yeah. again, you know, Kane, one touch, bang yeah. um there aren't many strikers in the league who who could have no. yeah as good as a good a pass as hills was with pretty much anyone else it's not it's not a goal <laughs> so it doesn't it's very reminiscent assist. of his goal against liverpool in the yeah. in the way that he finished yeah. it and the way he took yeah. it in that pocket and just swept it with no regard for anything i mean it was actually a rude shot I mean, it was completely insolent and, and, and disregarding of anybody. It was superb. The third goal, Doherty, was uh, was really interesting. Because he, he, he shot with his left foot. Um, and my thing, you know, cut in, shot with his left. My thinking was it, was it was reminiscent from what he was doing from the left-hand side when he scored, was it, four goals in those um, the mm. mid-season friendlies and cutting in and, sco- and scoring. And, and it's interesting that he's brought that to his game on the other flank using his weaker foot. So, um, yeah, it was interesting. And then obviously the fourth goal, Kane's lovely chip. Yeah, we're talking about Kane dropping deep. We've got that lovely chip over the top for Sun. And although it took a deflection, yeah, really good to see. And all of the team getting around to celebrate with him. I think um, yeah. I think he was on the receiving end of a, a Cuti Romero slap as part of the celebrations, and um, uh, yeah, not across the unmasked face. I hope. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah, so he misses the next month. Um, but I thought actually, as important as those four goals, the way we defended to keep a clean sheet after that, I think was probably even yeah, more important. Really and Larice needed that after his fuck up the yeah. week before. Yeah, agreed. I think just going back to um to Hill, it's uh Kane. I feel felt in this, you know in in that game, he realised that with Hill, Hill's an intelligent enough player that if he put, if he gets himself into those positions, he knows he'll get the ball because Hill can provide him with that. Which you know, which I think was obviously part of the trust. So as much as Hill has shown so much, I think that's also is a testament to just how good Kane is. Where he's like, I can I can work with this player yes. by getting myself into those positions. And Steph, um, I do want to also agree with you about Dyer because I was at the Villa game and it was so rudderless on the pitch. There was zero, like not even bits of communication. There was zero communication and leadership. And I noted, even though I was watching it on TV, I noted just how much uh, Dyer was ch- talking in that game and and the organisation and just having that presence there, you know. And I think I think it. I don't think it can be a coincidence that uh you know i know i know like you said he's upgradable he gets a lot of flack from the fans but i think he's such an important player for us in this moment he's so important and he has to be starting 
league games for sure well when i say upgradable i mean i i freely admit that if we want to win the title and the champions league we probably need to upgrade him but i mean we're talking yeah. about the top the top two honors in 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 the world and even when i say that i'm yeah. still not 100 percent convinced we couldn't do it with him i mean i think that he is a player that has so many more dimensional uh uses and, and levels of importance to the to the team than, than than people recognize he's a professional's professional isn't he i think i think ideally He's one of the three backups and, you know, still playing, you know, 20 odd games a season and is reliable and you can bring him in. And, you know, as he, you know, I think there are better players out there. He's got, he's, he's got his limitations, but he's, you know, he's, he's been through a run of bad, bad form. Um, but, you know, I think it's kind of been made worse in, in that there haven't been certainly at the beginning of that run of bad forms, there weren't viable alternatives to, to sub him out for. And, right. you know, with, you know, with some of the qualities you're talking about. So until we find a leader of his stature as a leader, he stay, he keep, he is our first choice. And that's what we need to sign. That's the upgrade. And I don't know where that is. And I don't know who that is. But realistically, you know, when we're looking at the transfer business in the summer, Jaffet and Sanchez are the ones that are out. You're not going to buy three new central defenders and, you know, in the summer and you know Longley's loan is up in the summer we don't know whether he, you know what's the situation with him so you know Dyer's not going anywhere this summer um and I think the under, my understanding is that Conte wants it wants him to be given a new contract it was interesting that Longley was doing the media duties before the game and I think mm. he'd done some other stuff earlier in the week I think it's a bit unusual for a lone player to be doing that kind of stuff yeah. um I thought I think he's quite good with the media but it's it also shows that he's trusted um so I, I think that's a positive yeah i would agree with that um we've talked about hill and Saar. let's have a brief mention of harvey white really nice to see him uh get on the pitch uh really nice to see him make his premiership debut um tidy i mean it wasn't spectacular but he certainly did not look out of place did he no, no, yeah, and I think no, again when you look at those kind of mid-season friendlies, he did very well in an unfamiliar familiar position there. He's a yeah. useful squad player to have because he can play, you know, number number of positions. He can play in central midfield, can play at left wing back. Um, I'm not sure you'd want to see him playing up front in the Premier League, but you know, it's an option there, particularly if you wanted to see out a game. Really useful player to have. I, I do wonder, you know, we were talking earlier on about you know whether any of our midfielders you know, might leave, and you know, particularly with Skip. And I do wonder whether you know Harvey White takes Skip's place in the squad and skip moves on and you've got a nice you've got a production line there a bit you know skip kind of took over from winks didn't he and you know winks took over from mason and you've kind of got a, a, a you know a line of a <laughs> you've ca- identified it's like musical chairs and you've identified the chair that nobody wants to be on the the the, <laughs> the mason the mason winks skip chair <laughs> but i think from an academy point of view i think that's from o'hara no, don't be silly. Um, <laughs> I, I think from an academy point of view, I think it's quite useful. If you've got your kind of fourth choice, fifth choice centre back is an academy product, they don't, you know, they're homegrown and they're there for two, three seasons or, you know, however long, and then you sell them at the end of it and there's another one to come through and take their place. I think that's a really useful, you know, use of the, of the academy because otherwise you're going to spend 20 million on someone to fill the same position. 
Right. And of course, the, the, the bit of that equation that does need conclusion is, is actually selling Harry Winks as opposed to bless him, loaning him, seeing him hurt and seeing him probably come back and us having to play. But I, I, not that point notwithstanding, I think you're, you're right. And, but, I mean, I mean, we're talk, say, but we're talking about Skip here and Skip, we wouldn't have any trouble yes. selling Skip in the summer. No, not at all. I agree. I think he's a really, right. really good player. And hey, I hope that he comes back and, and shakes off the rust, you know, and proves Neil Young wrong when Neil Young said rust never sleeps. Um, I hope in this case it falls asleep and drops off uh, because I'd like to see him back to his shiny best. And, you know, Winks probably, you know, you wouldn't have had the same issues if we sold him a few years before and, you know, not in the aftermath of a global pandemic when all of the clubs outside the Premier League were broke. Yeah, quite, exactly. Well, look, I mean, there's not too much more to say about this game. It's a 4-0 victory. We were all very happy. Uh, I think it's probably worth, in light of the fact we smashed four goals past Crystal Palace in the second half, pondering uh, what we thought. Crystal Palace. I mean, I, I, I thought their second half implosion, you know, it was partially down to us, but I don't think they actually painted themselves in any great glory, did they? No, I mean, other than that 20 minutes at the end of the first half, they didn't offer a huge amount. Um, I think we all thought that Vieira was doing a fantastic job last season. Yeah. It seems to, it looks like it's dropped off a little bit, doesn't it? But I mean, having said that, they're comfortably mid-table, which is probably a success for Palace, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to say that they've kind of reverted to type essentially under Vieira now, you know, and but maybe slightly, you know, I think they were kind of lower lower half of the table and they're now mid table. So I think I, you know, with the players they've got, I think they've got some really they're, they're a bit like us maybe 15 20 years ago where they where it was kind of you know we had like some really good players in the squad but a lot of it was fodder um and uh and we were just trying to make that step up but i think obviously we had a lot more advantages than palace do but um but yeah yeah nothing you know that they were they were very palace yeah well very yeah very average indeed and uh but you know what I was going to say, the one thing that did occur to me is that with Anderson in their back line, do you remember a couple of summers ago when everyone had a meltdown when we didn't sign him? Mm. Oh, yeah. Everyone was convinced that he was the the player we desperately needed. Yeah. So it's worth bearing in mind when everyone has a meltdown <laughs> because we don't sign Porro or whoever else it is. Um, you know, quite often it doesn't work out like that. Yes, and what's in a name indeed. You talk about signings that uh, we, we we were attached to. That, you know, uh, What about Sven Botman at Newcastle? How we wouldn't have minded seeing him. He'd be pretty useful, wouldn't he? But uh, that has nothing to do with what you were saying about Anderson and Crystal Palace. And so <laughs> if, uh, dear listener, you hear that, it's because Milo's feeling generous at the end of this pod because it had nothing to do with our 4-0 victory over Crystal Palace or our 1-0 win over Portsmouth in the FA Cup. <laughs> two clean sheets, two tournaments conquered in a week. Tottenham Hotspur are back but of course we know they never really went anywhere did they chaps they just play around with our emotions for fun don't they (laughs) (laughs) so anyway all right well thank you gentlemen uh, as ever just a fun chat very good thanks mate we'll be back next week to talk about it's a deep breath I thought I'd just give you one deep breath the North London Derby and chaps I've already said thanks, that was fun. You said goodbye and everything, but, you know, I'm going to drag you back in. It's like Al Pacino in Godfather 3. You know, you try and get out, but you keep on getting sucked back in. I have to ask you, is Mikel Arteta the most annoying... I had touchline manager in football. Let's just scrap the touchline. Is he the most annoying manager in football? I was going to say, this is why you need a sub-editor, Steph, so you can take out the superfluous words, because touchline definitely isn't needed there. There we go, you see? I I subbed myself before I was subbed. (laughs) You can also take out Jer in football 
or Aja in football. Very good. You see, this is the this is the linguistic pod that you listen to week in, week out. This is high end stuff. So we have now is. concluded that Mikel Arteta is the most annoying touchline man. No, no sorry, not the most annoying man in football. <laughs> That's right. Mikel Arteta is the most annoying man in football. There we are. Thank you very much. An exercise is summary. Pay attention, uh, everyone. That's how you do it. See you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>